How are you doing today? It wasn't me. I'm not even going up there, so whatever the whatever Brett has to do to make that work. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, we this is the Advent season. Uh, Chris said to me when we were worshiping, she said, uh, "Aren't we singing Christmas songs right now?" And uh, that's funny because we have an ongoing conversation in our lives about when is the appropriate time for what. And, and uh, I got to tell you, I'm loving, you know, we're all post-Easter, right? We're all post-resurrection, man. So, like, all this is, uh, is after the fact. But it's good to remember where we are. And we talked about last week starting over. And, and this, is, this is where we're caught at as Christians. By the way, children can go. Okay. <laughs> Every Sunday, my wife kicks me before I come on and says, go up there and say that. Um, but we're caught in this time that's like, that we're, we're, you know, you ever feel stretched as a Christian? Do you ever feel, you know, challenged as a Christian? I think you probably should, because we're really caught at this time where it's here but not yet, where God has come, but yet we wait. Does that make sense? That's what the Advent season is about. And when we're singing these songs like, uh, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God, we're waiting, but yet we know God has come. Right? And so it's just kind of this, this thing, but we have a tendency to get ahead of ourselves sometimes. And so I pray this season as we get into the, the hustle and bustle of uh, Christmas that we don't forget that we're still waiting for that, that coming of our Lord. Uh, what a great day. What a terrifying day that will be, right? All right. Um, let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father God, we've already said it. We've all said it with our own lips. We said we invite you. We welcome you to come here, Lord. And I pray that in our hearts, in our hearts, Lord, we would really say that prayer today, that we would be so bold as to say, come, Lord, into my heart today, whatever that means, and uh, come into our hearts as a community of believers, Lord, and just have your way with us. That's a scary, scary prayer, Lord, but I pray that today we would pray it boldly and not by our power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would dwell in us richly, and that we would really be ready for some open heart surgery today. Uh, bring healing, Lord. We love you and thank you. We give you this time and we give you our bodies and everything that we have, Lord, uh, this, this time, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to mention to you right up front, we had this great idea today. It's about prayer. We're in the second week of our, uh, of our um, Faith Actually series. Last week we talked about scripture. This week we're talking about prayer. There are no secrets here. One of the things we were talking about doing, we had this really cool idea. We said, uh, can you pull up that first slide for me? I'm not sure where. Oh, right here. Hey, right in the front. Good deal. Uh, but we, we're, we had this idea and we said, you know one thing we don't really have here. We have this, this space, but we don't really have a place for prayer. You know? And we had this great idea. You know what we should do? We should do the whole service and at the end say, people have been praying for you to respond. And then we, as Matt and I talked it through a little bit, we said, you know what, no, no, no. See, God's always, always calling you to respond. There's no magic moment. There's no magic hour. It's whenever the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you to respond to God. So I, I challenge you today to do this. Listen to God today. We've set aside some space in the back of the sanctuary here, off to the, the left, I guess this would be, right, right? Um, it's a, a space for prayer. And any time today, if you feel like you need to get up and go pray, please get up and just go pray. There will be people back there, but if you don't want to pray with a person, just go and sit. There's some chairs back there to sit in and just have a moment with God. That's what it's about today. It's not about us. It's, it's, it's about you returning to God today. 
And we all have to do that. And so that space is available for you. If you're embarrassed, Matt and I are talking, you know, just say, I have to go to the bathroom. Excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. Get up, and then if you have to go to the bathroom, go there first, and then just sneak back across. No one will even know, okay? Um, because it's really about that. It's about this opportunity to respond to God today. So that space is made available for you today. We've also made space available on, your, uh, on your, the bulletin today for you to do whatever. Doodle, however you respond to God, just do that. Write notes. Whatever God's revealing to you, uh, try to capture that and respond to that in some way. We have a series called Faith Actually because we believe that our faith actually has something to do with how we live. That's kind of crazy, right? Like, we say, well, we believe, and that's great. But the Bible says demons believe also. So what? And James says, faith without works is dead. If there's no response to faith, your faith is not a living faith. And so this faith actually series is about faith becoming flesh. This, this culmination, this enfleshment of our beliefs. We were... Um, I had a friend that had surgery, ironically, uh, a few days ago. Yesterday, two days ago, maybe. Two days ago. And uh, we were driving to St. Louis, and they had closed one of the major highway, the roads by uh, Barnes, and uh, we got a little turned around. And my wife said, she, w- she was trying to find me there, actually, and she said, you know, I, I got off the main road, and I-, I couldn't figure out where I was or what was going on and everything. And, uh, and I said, well, it's easy. It's got to get back, get back to the highway. You know, that's how we're going to get out of here. She said, you drive. So I drove. And I said, look, you just go right here to the highway. Well, I used to work over there, so I knew the way around the small roads and stuff. But isn't it funny how quickly if you get off of a main, a main road in your life and get off on some little alley, you might get totally lost, right? And so this series is about that. It's about if you're off in some alley of your faith walk, God's saying, just return to the main highway. Go back and find the markers where you knew where you were. Get your bearings again and then start to pursue God. And I hope that's coming through um, with this. It's really the basic stuff that we have to get right in our walk with God. Good. I want to say this again to you also. This is the challenge for the entire series. I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you. It says, who or what is your God? Who or what do you read up on? Who or what do you bow down to? And who or what do you go looking for in your life? Last week we, we learned from Isaiah 55 and... Uh, Check this out. This is really cool. So I was preparing this week's lesson, and, and I thought, you know, well, well, so what? You know, we read Isaiah 55, and it was great and all that, but what? we're Christians. That's great. What's that mean for us? Well, let me tell you. Scripture mattered to Jesus, right? And that's like, yeah, it matters to, you know, rabbis. Well, guess what? What really mattered to Jesus? And I want to read to you our first uh, passage today from Matthew 21. So if you want to turn there with me, that would be great. Matthew 21. 12 through 13. This is what the word says. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He turned over tables of the money changers and the the, the seats and the benches of the ones who who sold doves. It is written, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are turning it into a den of robbers. This is one of the most visceral responses we see Jesus make in his ministry, where he goes into the temple in this holy place of worship, and he starts just knocking stuff down. He's so responding to this idea that this is not what it's about. This is a house of prayer. That he quoted there was Isaiah 56, which kind of gave me chills, right? Because we read from Isaiah 55, 
And here's Jesus. He knew scripture. He lived scripture, and scripture mattered to him. And there's the problem, because as long as you're willing to talk about Jesus and talk about the Bible, but not change your life, no one's going to care. Not your friends, not your enemies, no one's going to care. But if you start trying to live out to enflesh your faith walk, you will start to get resistance in the world. And that, that's Jesus' big problem. The beginning of his ministry starts that way where he says, this scripture today is fulfilled in your hearing, and man, that just sends a firestorm, right? Because you can read scripture, but if you start trying to live it out, you're, you know, people are going to respond to that positively and negatively. So I just want to say that, it's, that Jesus says to us, through the way he lives, scripture matters. Well, the other thing that matters is prayer. And prayer matters to Jesus too, we have this thing where we, we, I don't know, how do you guys pray? How do you guys pray? Do you ever have that moment where uh, we were standing back, back here earlier and uh, we were getting ready to pray and someone says, does anyone feel led to pray? And everyone puts their eyes down. You know? Like, do you not want to be that one that gets called on to pray? How, do you know what to say? Do you know how to pray? Sometimes I think we feel that. We feel that, that we don't know what, what to say. You know, uh, we don't know how to pray. Chris will be the one to say, don't call, don't call on me to pray. If I said to her, you know, Chris, would you close us today? You guys did that a couple weeks ago, by the way. Someone said, would you just, would you close us today? And uh, I think it was Rick Embry just closed on the spot like that. I know there are people that terrifies, right? I'm going to do that at the end of the service, so pay attention. I'm just going to pick somebody. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> okay. Um, so, we, but we need, the, I think what we need to do is integrate our prayer life into our, prayer into our life more. Not become so, it's over there, it's this thing I do over there, but rather it's something that I live, something that I breathe, something that I do. We're going to return to the scriptures of Matthew for this uh, today. If you want to turn with me, it's Matthew 6 we're studying today. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. But as you're turning there, I want to get you up to speed a little bit again. We talked about knowing the context of scripture, it's so important. We have the birth of Jesus, which we are now waiting for in this Advent season. We have uh, Jesus beginning to uh, preach the gospel, calling disciples, healing the sick, and he gives his first sermon, which is recorded in the book of Matthew in chapter 5, which we talked about a few weeks ago, actually. And he's going through this, and he's saying, things are going to be different, and this is how. And he starts to break down this idea that we're salt and light into the world. You remember that? And he says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. There's a whole thing there, right? And, um, but he comes through, and this uh, most amazing things happen because I want to say that in chapter 5, he starts to, to, to raise the bar on what it means to be a person of God, right? He starts to escalate your response, responsibility, right? And he says all these things where he says, oh, I just want to read, if you want to look at me in, in uh, chapter 5, he says with verse 21, I'm just going to read the very first part. You've heard it said, to people, but I say, and he raises the bar. And in verse 27, you've heard it said, but I say. And he says in 31, it has been said, yes, but I say. And he says in 23, or 33, again, you've heard it said, but I'm telling you something different today. And he begins to raise the bar on what it means to be a Christian, to be a responder to the gospel so he gets through this idea of raising, of escalating, and then we get to what we're going to study today, chapter 6. We're actually going to start in chapter 6, verse 1, because, and it's just the, ver the very first verse, I believe. It says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness, righteousness before men, to be seen by them. 
Because if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I just want to say to you right now, there are three things here that, that, that is recorded in the sermon from Jesus that are considered acts of righteousness. And they are giving to the poor, alms to the poor. They are prayer and fasting. And Jesus identifies these three things as acts of righteousness. After he says, here's the bar, he even says at the end of that, chapter 5, be perfect like God is perfect. And I used to like to kind of cop out on that and say, well, that means we have to, you know, need Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can be perfect so we can totally let things slide, right? But I, I, the more I walk, the more God says, not nah, exactly. You've been given a gift. You can live better. It's not our righteousness that we trust, but we can respond to God in such a way by the power of his Holy Spirit that our lives become more holistic. We become elevated for the glory of God. So it says, don't do your acts of righteousness before men. And that's what this all is going to be about, not doing your acts of righteousness before men. So in verse 5 of chapter 6, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. The word hypocrites there, what do you think it means? What do you think of a hypocrite? Doesn't practice what they preach. <laughs> good. A mask. Oh, that's, you know, that's really interesting. Yeah, good. Um, the, the word hypocrite, you know, I always thought it meant, yeah, that does mean that. It means don't practice what you preach or, you know, because that's the single thing I hear about the church, quite honestly. Bunch of hypocrites in there, right? Of course, they never come in and see for themselves, you know, because they're probably afraid what God will do to them here, you know, transform their life and all that. But, uh, but, you know what it means? It means an actor, a thespian, you know? So here are, the, here are these hypocrites that are praying in the synagogues, and they pray like, oh, God, our mighty Father. I am not making fun of people who pray like that. That's awesome. But then you think we have to pray that way, and so you get up there. We talked about hands up last week. You're not comfortable with that? Man, that's an honest reflection of where you are. I've stood next to people who will not say the words on the screen, because they have more integrity than people who've been in church their whole lives. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Because they know that those professments of their lips matter. And they cannot yet say, Jesus is Lord. But so many people sit in church week after week saying the words mindlessly. Cheap words. And the lost are saying, I can't say that yet. And I say, brother, sister, you're closer to God than half the people in this room. Cheap words. Don't be an actor. Don't be a faker. Better that you be honest and be in a ditch than be a faker in front of all God's people and, 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 and not bring any glory to anyone but yourself. Let's not live that way. He says this to the actors, to, the, to his disciples. Don't be actors. Don't be pretenders. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The uh, couple of interesting things about this room, you know, I, you can take that literally. That's a great way to start. If you want to take that literally, get a prayer closet, you know. Uh, when I worked at Wash U, I actually worked in a closet, and I used to pray in there, like, often during the day. And uh, it's kind of funny because I'm getting paid to pray. It's kind of cool. Uh, I was doing other stuff, but uh, it was my prayer closet. And I had scripture up on the walls, and, you know, we had computer parts everywhere, and People come in and be like, what is this? I'm like, this is my office. You know? 
But, um, but have that place. And you can find those places in your life. But you know what that word also is used for? That, that closet, we think of it being a tiny little space. You know what, it's, a, it's also the same word that's used for storehouse. When Jesus talks about the sparrows don't put things in a storehouse. They only eat what they need for the day. This idea of, of, of amassing blessings, of building them up and not letting anyone know, not letting your right hand know what your left hand is doing, but you just pray and pray. And you know what that happens? You begin to be blessed in your life. And you begin to be a blessing to other people. Find your prayer closet and just fill it, fill it to the brim with blessings from God. Because your father who's seen what is done in secret will give you reward. He says the actors have gotten their payment in full. You know what that means? There is nothing, nothing, nothing owed anymore on that deal. And it doesn't mean you can't ever pray in public either, because that would be a hard thing, right, if you're a pastor or if you're a worship leader, Matt, and you've got to pray, you know, well, you've got your reward, Matt, I hope you enjoyed it. I think it means you have to do that, and, you know, if you're called to pray in public, pray in public. Pray honestly where you are, but then have a storehouse. Have something deeper than that in your life. Because he says, those folks are paid in full, but the ones who are praying in secret, I will reward. God himself will bring an abundant gift. Where are we at? And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Good. I thought we were lost in that. Uh, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. How many of our prayer lives, you know, I remember whenever I was like nine years old, I said this prayer to God. I said, God, uh, this is me at nine, right? I said, God, if you're real which is a great way to start a prayer, by the way. <laughs> I want a new bike by morning. And I believed, man, you know, I had faith. And I woke up and went and looked for my new bike and I didn't have a new bike. And I was like, <laughs> so the next night I said, God, <laughs> even though God wasn't real at this point, uh, did I do something wrong with that prayer? How many of our prayers are about, about what we want, what we need? Oh God, they're, they're in, in, inward focused. God, Bless me with a new job. God, make my whatever better. Make me whatever I think I need at the moment. And, and he says, don't go on with all these. Don't bring your, I mean, you bring your concerns to God, but don't, God knows what you need. What about a prayer closet that's filled with silence? A prayer closet that's filled with listening and responding. Deeper prayers. Don't go on babbling like the pagans. I think they've, they've been heard because there are many words. Your father knows what you need in your life before you ask him. God has better plans for us than we ever have for ourselves. So Jesus says, this then, my disciples, is how you should pray. And here's the prayer, right? We all know some form of this. Trespasses and debts and... Uh, you know, dying uh, is the kingdom and the glory. I want to go through this a little bit here, though. He says, you begin by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This Father, this, this, this God, the first thing you do is you're in relationship with God. And you're saying, I am somehow, it means daddy, right? You've heard that before, I'm sure. If you've listened to preachers, this is all the rage, right? Daddy, my dad. It's this intimate, Jesus is my homeboy kind of a thing, Right? But then the next verse throws a wrinkle in the whole plan because he says, hallowed is your name. Holy, 
separate, completely other from all things that we ever know, that's who you are. And not just your name, meaning the name Yahweh, meaning the name Yeshua, meaning these names that, you know, uh, we talked about Jehovah last week a little bit, right? But your name, meaning everything about you, everything about you, not just the name we cannot speak, God is holy, but every attribute, everything you are, everything you do is so completely opposite we can't even imagine. But Jesus says, begin by saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then you turn your prayer and you say, Lord, your kingdom come. That means your reign, your dominion, your will be done. Not the things that I want, not my bike, right? But the things that you have desired, Lord, we give it to you. And do that stuff here on earth as it's already being done everywhere else that you're reigning. Everywhere else God is, his will is being done. And we say, Lord, let it be that way with us. Let it be that way here and now. Give us today our daily bread. Just what we need. How many, I would love to have a five-year plan, especially right now, right? I want a five-year plan in my life, Lord. I want you to just lay it out. I'll be patient for another week. <laughs> and then I gotta know you know, and, and, and it's like, no. Today's blessing, today's struggles, today's worries. Give us today what we need to make it through today, Lord, and that's all, all we're asking for in this prayer. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, the most terrifying part of this prayer. Because basically this means, do to us what we do to others. And you may not like that, but that's what that says. Because we've also, this is a prepositional phrase, because we've already forgiven everyone, go ahead and forgive us. Man, have you forgiven everyone? That means to be sent away and remember it no more. I don't know that, I, I haven't. And this scares me then. Because I'm saying in this prayer, this mindless words, our Father, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven everyone who's indebted to us. It's the job of the church it's the job of followers of Jesus to be forgiving others. Letting go of burdens and debts that you hold on to. Don't remember what happened four years ago at that one Christmas party when that one person said that about you. Because we need the forgiveness of God and we ask in this prayer, as Jesus tells us. Respond in this way. And don't lead us into temptations, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the end of this prayer that he quotes. This idea of don't lead us into places that we can't handle, Lord, Save us. Save us. You know, I said last week about playing against a, an inferior opponent, you know, getting beat. That's the devil, if you didn't catch that. But you know what? The devil is not to be trifled with. And every time you can ask, say, God, just deliver me from this. Just, just move me out of it. If I have to walk through it, I'll do it. But if you can move me out of it, move me out of it, Lord. Do your will in my life. And he goes on to say, because if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive them their sins, their shortcomings, their errors, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is not just found here. This is found with a debtor, right? The debtor who's thrown in prison, and, he, and, and the guy comes out, and he says, uh, he says, pay me what you owe, after this king has forgiven him like a million dollars, and this guy owes him 20 bucks, and the king says, I'm throwing him back in. That's the same story. Jesus, God will forgive us just as we forgive others. So Jesus says, pray this way. 
Now, I know many of us were raised saying this prayer, right? Uh, you can say it from, by heart. But yet, many of us say it mindlessly. We're babbling. Babbling and not even living. And God says to us, pray this way. Jesus says, pray this way, in this manner. You begin by glorifying, you begin by saying, I'm in a relationship with you, God, but you are so glorious, I don't even know how to deal with that. I don't know what, what I've done to deserve this relationship, nothing, but I'm here and I'm waiting. And go through that as a form of prayer. Bring your kingdom here, Lord. Do your will in my life today. Do it here as it is everywhere else. Help me not to worry for tomorrow, Lord, but just, just give me what I need to get through today, one day at a time. And forgive us for all the ways we've failed. And I would say, teach us, Lord, to forgive everyone else who's failed us. Right? Do that for us. Um, I want to I uh, go ahead with this a little bit now because as we go through the scripture, it sounds great and high and mighty and wonderful, but then you go like, well, how do you do that? How do you do that in your life? So I want to run through a couple of ways you can pray. And, and I broke them down in a few categories here, but I want you to listen because I think there's some profound things that the scriptures card we had last week, you put it somewhere. The same thing goes for prayer life. But I want to talk, talk about beginning. You don't know how to pray? Guess what? Good place to start is the scriptures. Have you ever prayed through a verse of scripture? Go ahead. You can even change the words a little bit. God's not going to mind. Read it. See how you might think it applies and pray through a scripture. Memorize prayers, written prayers. Who's, whose grandma taught him how to pray? My grandma taught me how to pray every night at bed, right, bedtime. And uh, it's funny because, you know, now I'm the pastor and we have, like, meals. And we go to grandma's house and they're like, they're like um, Billy, would you lead us in prayer? And I just go, Grandma, would you lead us in prayer? Not because I don't want to pray. I just want, I just want her to teach me again. What was that you taught me when I was four years old? Put your hands like this, kneel down by it. What was that stuff? Memorize prayer, book of common prayer, things like that, written prayers. Just, just say those prayers. Are they just as effective? Here's, one of the, here's a great prayer I read and uh, I love. It says this, Christ, it's the St. Patrick's breastplate. It means what he put on for armor. It's a portion of that prayer. And it says, Christ to shield me this day against poisoning, against burning, against drowning, against wounding. So there will come to me an abundance of reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me. Christ in me, Christ under me, Christ above me. Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lay down to sleep. Christ when I sit down to rest. Christ when I arise to work. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of every person who would speak of me. Christ in the eye of everyone who would see me. Christ in the ear of everyone who hears me. If you're going to go into battle, that's a prayer. You say that prayer every day before you get up. You know, you get ready to go into, the, go into work. Say that prayer. That's a written prayer. Does that have validity? Absolutely. We also have informal prayers. These are prayers at meals, bedtimes, you know. We have a the habit of grabbing hands around a table. Wherever we are, and we're going to pray around a meal. We do it. We just do it, you know. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's, you know, awful. But we do it, and it's extemporaneous. We just pray as we feel led. Do this too in times of need, crisis. You just respond to God, you cry out. But I'll go even deeper and say that prayer is about presence. 
Prayer is about being present before something, but being intentional about being before God on that. What can prayer look like? I don't know if you've noticed someone's been praying. Did you notice that? Is there something about being attentive to the work at hand that's prayer? Can you turn anything into prayer? I challenged, this week I was challenged by that. I was at work, I'm doing computer work. I'm thinking, how is this prayer? And I started doing silly things like praying over computers while I worked on them. Praying over people while they stood there and asked me questions that I was just like really annoyed with. (laughs) You know, Uh, pray, pray. There's something about giving your attention to something. Praying as you do something you love. Praying as you create. Praying as you work. Praying as you wait. How many people are stuck in traffic? Pray. Don't just pray like this, you know, blankety blank and get out in front of me. <laughs> you know. Come on, people. No, pray blessings, man. Do you ever do that? Yeah. How about this? How about if you're walking behind somebody, you just, you just think they're having a bad day, and you know, a mom in line with the kids, and they're hanging all over the place, and you just like say a prayer right there in the spot for them. Just pray for them. It's a prayer life. And then the last thing here is like building a closet in your heart. You know, because sometimes we can go in and close the door. But what's that closing door about? It's about having a secret place. I'll tell you something I do. And um, it's kind of, you know, it's going to be ruined now for all of you if you see me because now it won't be a secret anymore. But, I, but I, it's, it's about putting something in your way. It's the genius of something like uh, a system like getting things done. How many of you like put, uh, if you have something important to remember in the morning, um, you take it and you put your keys on top of it so you won't forget it for work, Right? That's the way you're made. And so I would say, do the same thing with prayer. Put something that you're going to bump into once in a while in your life that's going to remind you, oh, yeah, i got to pray. What was I thinking? Like the scripture. This has been, oh, my wires are, this has been one of my favorite things. Can you all see that? So I carry this in my pocket because every time I go for my keys, every time I go for change, this thing has sense to a stick. Whew. Remind me of something that's kind of important to me. It's just a concrete nail, though, right? But every time I run, I, I, every time I feel this, I pray. Whatever it is, that to me is God saying, pay attention, be present, pray. I have this other one. This is the one, I've actually had this since uh, June of this year in my pocket. Here's another one that uh, I gave out to some kids one time. We talked about heaven. And, and uh, this, this one is, is, looks kind of heavenly to me. It's like reflective you know, I lost this. It's okay, you know, you just get something else. Find something that, that just reminds you. Give it meaning and then have it somewhere that's in your way in your life so you can't forget it. I had this, um, this black one that a pastor gave me once and it was from the book of Isaiah where the angel puts the coal to the, to, uh, or yeah, Isaiah, right? Where he puts the coal to Isaiah's mouth. And I carry my pocket and when I go to see a client, I would put it to my lips before I talk to them to remind me, myself to be godly in speech because it was a frustrating job. It's kind of silly, right? It's, just, it's not magic, but it's about a presence. So I'd encourage you to do that. I actually brought some of these, the joy boxes that he talked about earlier. There are some of these in the back. Not enough for everybody, so get it if you can. There's a little box back there that's got this stuff in it. Find something of your own. But put stuff in your way that reminds you that God is calling you, calling you to pray. James says, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? You know that scripture? 
Check this out. I've got to tell you about the efficacy of prayer. I was telling you about my story of reading scripture. You know, I thought I was on this journey by myself, right? If you ever want to see a prayer warrior, you should check out my bride. She's like, you know, not going to like that I'm even bringing this up. But I've got to tell you the story. I thought I was on this journey by myself. I was married to her, going through life. I told you I found the scriptures, started reading. God changed my life. I've been going to church, worshiping. She says, um, she tells me later, after the fact, she said, what happened? I went forward in church, and I went and gave my life, and, 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 and did this public response thing. And it was humbling for me to do that. And she said, uh, what happened two weeks ago? And I said, why? And she said, well, I didn't want to tell you before, but I've been praying for you every day. And I said, oh, that's cool. You've been praying for me for a while. And she said, yes, yeah, seven years. <laughs> and she said, two weeks ago, God changed my prayer from God save him to God let him get baptized. And that was the time that I had repented. I hadn't told her because I didn't know how to tell my wife I, God had changed me. It sounds dumb right now. But her prayer, trust what God is calling you to pray for and be diligent in your prayer life, trusting that God can do anything, anything. A friend of mine said, you know, I prayed and prayed and prayed, but it does no good. I prayed for this one guy and nothing happened. And I said to her, I said, what do you think God's trying to accomplish through prayer? Well, God wants this other thing to happen that I want to happen. But I keep talking to God about it. And I said, what if God wants you to talk to him more? Is that prayer working? Is this thing that God's in your heart drawing you into a relationship with him? What is God trying to do in your prayer life today? I'm going to ask Matt and everyone to come back up. The, the greatest uh, prayer, you know, they say this is the Lord's prayer. This is the one, you know. The greatest prayer in scripture to me, well, there's many, but uh, is in the garden. Whenever Jesus says to his disciples, he says, um, pray with me. And he prays, and it says he prays so fervently. He prays so powerfully that he begins to sweat blood. This is the prayer of our Savior. And you know, lest you think that this is the easy road for Jesus to take because he's God and he don't have to feel what men feel, he's sweating blood and he's saying, he's saying, Father, if there's any way, if there's any way you can take this cup from me, uh, I pray that you would do that. There's his request. But then he says, but not what I want, but what you want. Do what you want. And what God wanted his son to do is to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. And the cup that we take on Communion Sunday is a taste of that cup. And you're confessing something and you're saying, I'm going to be part of this cup. I'm going to receive this cup. Jesus taught us how to pray and he said, God, do your will, even though it's hard. So I want to say today that uh, if, if, uh, if you want to respond to God, do that. It's, it's, um, it's what he's waiting for. He's calling you home. He's saying, just return to me. Give me an inch. I'll take the rest of your life. You know?
Just come back. I don't want to curse you. I want to bless you. Jesus died for you, died for me. So let's pray about that.